Welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This week, Marley Davies, a multi-talented photographer and YouTuber, dives into the transformative power of photography in his life. As a passionate creator, he shares his art and inspiration, fostering a positive community through social media and workshops. For Marley, Photography is a spiritual journey, providing a profound connection to nature and a medium for self-expression since his childhood. In the last five years, his content creator journey on YouTube, especially in landscape photography, has propelled him to print his work, launch a website and venture into podcasting. His eclectic photography style reflects experimentation and self-expression. Join us as we discuss his graphic arts background, drawing parallels between photography and music, exploring societal influences of photography along with lots more i hope you enjoy the show g'day marley welcome to landscape photography world how are you going i'm very good thank you grant thank you so much a privilege to be here to be asked. Oh, privileged to have you on board mate it's wonderful to get you there i've seen quite a lot of your videos and listened to your podcast so for those that haven't caught up with the marley story let's why don't you start with who you are and why you're into photography? I, I'm normally the other side. I'm where Grant is and I do a podcast. I have YouTube and it all comes from photography. It all starts from creativity, which goes back in time many years to growing up with a granddad who was an artist and being in a family of artists and very creative individuals and trying to find my way creatively over the years, missing out on the fact that photography was the one thing I wanted to do. I say missing out because I didn't pursue it like an obsession, which it is now. It pretty much is fills up most of my time, apart from my two kids, my wife, and I'm also a full-time graphic designer. Okay. Working wow. for a local company and now working in the city of Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, I like, I like to keep myself busy, but I don't like the word busy. I just think... I have to say, I've been sitting watching a new series called Slow Horses on Apple TV, so I'm behind on the editing, and, and Christmas is coming, and I've umpteen videos to do. I've got a podcast that should be due out now, but I'm talking to Grant, which is grand, so it's all good. That's me, podcaster, YouTuber, full-time working graphic designer, creative, bonkers for photography. Fair enough. I notice you've got a keyboard there. Are you a musician as well? Oh, I, I just come and creep it in shot. That should have been a camera, that. Bit of a story behind it. I, I went out with a couple of pals I used to be in bands with, and we went watching a gig about a fortnight ago now. I like me progressive music, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And I used to be in a band that did jazz, funk, and psychedelia, and progressive rock, and jazz, and the guys I went out with, I haven't played. I haven't done anything for five years. When I first started my YouTube channel, I used to do the music as well with my wife. So just over this side of the room is a two-tier Hammond and a two-octave pedal set because you play okay. both hands and, and feet. So, yeah, music's always been around us and since I was a kid and I play synthesizers. And I've got it out again just this past week. I've been dabbling and I've got some ideas for doing some new. I've got a, a video at my local stretch of beach at Formby. I've done a couple of non 
talking videos and but I've, I've wrote a piece of music for it and it, it's quite ambient ethereal and i want to tie some knots of music and soundscapes together with me walking along and filming b-roll and of course a lot of images and photography at the end so fantastic sounds, sounds like a great concept yeah I, I like for experiment and sometimes i think it's just I keep moving, being stuck in my ways. I like for being creative and keyboard and playing and music and drawing and graphic design. It surrounds and connects the photography now. Mm. I got, where it, photography was just something I did for fun, for family, holidays and all that. And, and it, it progressively realising that I was experimenting instead of taking pictures of people or family or events yeah i was off wandering in the woods or a very early age doing that kind of thing and of course now i've just turned 50 and and it's been about 10 years the photography full-on five years of youtube this year wow and, and i've got lots of little projects i like projects grant okay yeah, yeah. i want to talk a little bit about that what what started you down the track of getting into photography, but more particularly landscape? As you said, you, you'd you find yourself wandering off. Was that sort of where it started? I reckon so, yeah. At an early age, my dad taking us through 10-foot-high ferns in the middle of a forest and him saying things to me like, you can't get lost, and I'm absolutely panicking at the age of 10, thinking, oh, my God. But then walking out into an opening, where there was deer and just yeah. wild and and being quite told to shut up, be quiet and and hearing the sound of your heart and feeling quite exhilarated by nature and, and having a camera with me at the time as well. I had a Fuji film camera that was an automatic. Okay. Uh, yep. It's quite quite a special camera that actually because it, it F stops and everything. At, at that time, well, it was about 10, 11, yeah. And and that progressed throughout my life younger, but didn't realize it never. I was always looking for something I could do that I would love doing for the rest of my life. I could make money from. Oh, and sure. I was so caught up in the idea of being a fine artist, being a painter, okay. being an abstract expressionist, being an artist of that Gacometti or just various. I've mentioned it before and on, on other uh, chats and I talk about it a lot where I think art and f and photography when I say art painters and photography yep. combine it makes your photography better I was so wrapped up in doing like Miro and Kandinsky and G Gustav Klint and looking at all these different artists and of course I went through college and university and got into graphic design in a big way because I felt that was the way I could make money and all the time I'm doing this, I'm, I've got a camera with me. And yeah. Back at Salford Uni, I was taking pictures of like churches, stones or brickwork, curbstones, grids, ironwork, and not realizing that I was, I've been told sketchbooking and I, I didn't know. And a little bit of street photography and then yep. Manchester in the 1990s was bonkers. So there was a bit of street photography involved in there with people in there. 
And uh, I've never dug any of that stuff out. It's upstairs and I should go back really. They've got contact strips everywhere and yeah. bags of negatives that are all black and white shot uh, on Ilford. 400 or something like that it's yeah, a long yeah. time ago now and i keep threatening i've said many a time to people on youtube and, and on my podcast oh i'm gonna kickstart and do film again and then slap my face and go i haven't got the money for that i nearly ended up with an enlarger and all the gear but my wife said you bring that back here and you'll be in the shed with it so <laughs> Yeah, I, I can never see myself going back to to film. It's yeah. just too much faff. I also I I love doing it. I love the magic of seeing that yeah. image appear on the paper and on the the contact strips and whatever when you were just trying to work out what was a shot and what wasn't. But the smell of the chemicals, the stuff it does to your fingers, the whole yeah. shamozzle was just like, nah, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. be doing this. <laughs> Yeah, well, I agree with that in a lot of ways. The chemicals and stuff didn't bother me, but I guess you started off like myself in film and college. Yep. Did you study photography yourself? I did at high school, but then other things took over and I went into a career in IT. And right, yeah. It, it just that computer finished school in the middle of the 80s and computers just pcs and apple yeah. macs and all that sort of stuff just went bang and it yeah. was oh this is interesting and yeah. i just had an affinity with it and yeah i that that's really what i got into and what i studied was was computing and so yeah. i ended up doing that more than more than photography unfortunately i still had uh, i've actually still got it on the shelf behind me the old minolta xg1 Wow, Minolta, aye. Yeah, and a couple of good lenses, the old Rockor Minolta lenses. and But, yeah, and so I dabbled a bit. But, again, yeah. it was like the time and the faff of getting film done and getting yeah. it back and everything. And so it wasn't really until digital came along in the mid-'90s that I really started to shift that way and yeah. decided to get into into things in a more serious way and to be honest it was actually oh, mid 2000s so about 2005 2006 that I really started to go oh actually this could be art <laughs> yes yeah yeah digital four megapixel cameras about then yeah it? that's about right yeah, yeah. I, I had I've, and I've still got a, a, a range of uh, happy snappers that I had the <laughs> point yeah. and clicks where things started and shooting in jpeg and having no idea about raw and all the rest of that yeah. sort of thing and then later on the learning curve really started but yeah but that era of film i think and particularly what you were saying about the nuts lifestyle in the 90s in manchester yeah. for example and some of the stuff you you would have seen how do you think that has actually shaped your photography now? Because I think those early years are one of the big things that really puts down groundwork for how you start to shoot in, in later years. It, it certainly does. It, it was very transformative, possibly because I didn't have a photography background that my photography now... I say a photography background, I think... More because I was looking at certain styles of art yep. influenced me. And then graphic design, especially in Manchester, with uh, there was so much happening in terms of flat 
we we used to paint with gouache and do these oh yeah yeah styled graphic almost rave scene flyers i remember making loads of them and, and painting them on my walls as well my mum used to go mad i had flyers stuck all over my walls and of all the gigs i used to go to and i, I was quite into the dance scene hacienda and but even further afield like blackburn illegal raves and yep, yep. You know, there's all that stuff going on so i was right in it at that point and it most definitely influenced me and rules abide by them i guess like photography says we should i, I tend to just be expressive yep and look for something that i find as an aesthetic for me that mm. if it's be if it's beautiful to me i'll find something that is interesting I don't think of it at the time, but later on when I'm editing, I think that might pass on and someone else might like it. Yeah. And that's why I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it because I feel that I've created something that I find pleasing and then thinking, oh, I'll share that on. And, and that has become a constant thread with all my photography is this aesthetic. So I'm, I'm not into seeing images that are, are difficult Okay. Even if they're technically great or even very complex scenes, I, quite, I love chaos. Yeah. But what I enjoy from photography is something that, and it's not what a banger, but something that's, it's got a, a, a beauty to it, a truth. Yeah. And that's lands the landscape photography side of it for me, where it has to connect you to nature and you have to feel some romance there's definitely a heartfelt thing going on soulful romantic aesthetically pleasing and it's got to tick all those boxes for me to think i'm happy with that and i'm sure it or and sometimes that's easy sometimes that's hard but there's no rules and all that must come from my early days of flatness flat plane 2d graphical artwork yep yep seeing shapes but then the chaos side of it as well the vibration of colors and textures and layering i really like that as well and, and i think that also stems from my early learnings of abstract expressionism and certain artists that would you know jackson pollock or any anything oh, yeah. around that i know he's the most popular name i could have pulled out the bag there but even kandinsky where it was a lot about rhythm and movement and color and forms and shapes working together and understanding composition that way without it being say foreground mid-ground it's more about just seeing how things work together yeah and, yeah. and does that please me and and is it I wouldn't want to make art that's disturbing and awkward and uneasy. Yeah, I do enjoy a lot of that, but okay. I think my fa favourite artists or favourite photographers, there's a rhythm in there. There's almost like a beautiful dance within the images that makes sense. And mm. uh, so many names that I could go into yeah. uh, these days, especially that we're surrounded by incredible yeah. photographers. That's definitely a stylistic choice that you, you're making in your photography. Have you seen and thought about how that style has developed and where it's going? Is there anything deliberate in where you're taking things now? It's a niggle. That. It's like a, 
an earworm. It, yeah, I, I, I tend to ignore it and put it away and, and think, don't analyze. Okay, I have, I have a. I know some people of, love it. Some people just don't want to know. Yeah, I find it. Yeah, I find it, it could. Ah, I think the more I've got, I think about it to a degree, mm-hmm. and then I have to stop myself before I get to a point where every image isn't right, because yeah. I think too many people see photography and see what they're shooting oh i don't like that and never do anything about it and to me there's a process of creating the aesthetics getting it to a point and going that's it i like done that's it i like move on these pictures yeah move on yeah yeah these pictures behind me that i've put these are fresh set of pictures that i'm looking at the minute there's one in the middle that's a, a little bit older and then we've got some others knocking about some abstracts. I've got a bit of ICM and black and white, and I've mixed it up a bit because I want to just look at them and see what's working, but not analyse it in terms of where is it going, but going, I quite like that's doing that. But to me, it's a process. I can't, I can't actually tell you why I drop on certain things. I go, oh, yeah, that's because there's texture here and there's contrast and they work together or the yellows and the blues are working together or what colors are we? I just feel it. I just yeah. look at it and feel it and go, yes, move on. Because if I go too further, it destroys the, the feeling. It destroys the image. You can over edit. Yep. It's just a process of no, beginning to know why and when you've got to that point And then I move on. Mm. So the question of where is it going and where am I taking it, I, did, I, I really don't know. Hopefully, hopefully somewhere good and <laughs> successful because we don't do it for nothing. It's a key ah. point. We do it because I, I want to be successful at it. I don't want to be famous. I don't. None of that. I, I just want to carry on creating for the yeah. rest of my life yeah. and being content and happy. The Ben Horn interview that you did with you, and he, he, you asked him a similar question, and he said to have this job, to do this, because it, that happiness of working every day doing what he loves, yep. game over. Absolutely. That's success in my eyes. What, yes. what success in yours? Is that exactly that? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly so. that. Yeah. You mentioned the need to have projects and work on projects. Where does that need stem from and where do you see, I guess, that taking your photography? I think it keeps you doing it. I think if you set yourself, I wouldn't say deadlines because I don't agree in pressure. I don't agree. There's enough of that at work. There is a pressure creating in photography, but it's more organic. Yeah, And by having the project, you put in a start line and a finish line. And then in between the meandering and wandering and whatever you do and processes you have, you get to a point. So I'm creating a book now called 50 Times Around the Sun. I thought I would have had it done, but I've not. It'll be done next year. And, and that doesn't worry me. I can move the finish line. But yeah. the fact that there is a point of contact and end that start and end that the fact that each project to come up with has a, a roadmap, if you like yep. a set of images or I'm, I'm talking about this with the music. That's a tiny project. That's probably one to two videos, 
but next year, uh, although I'm I'm way behind on my edits and my videos, I've got two from Scotland that I've got to do. I've got uh, a couple of other videos that are street photography. Right. And every now and again, I feel it niggle. You need to get this done. And that, that little pressure comes and I give me head a wobble and go, no, th- this is mine. This is my time. I don't answer to anyone. Yep. I answer to myself. The project sat there. It's doing fine. Heavens above. As long as I don't drop dead and I, I can keep going. <laughs> I'm here tomorrow and it's a blessing to keep going. Sure. And that, that's how I see it. I, and I guess then it's starting thinking of projects that could lead somewhere. I've been working on one at, this year, say for the past three months. It's really exciting. Yeah. I can't mention because it's not been launched yet. All my images have been submitted and they're being looked at and they're very happy with them. And I'm going to be a part of something that I think is, again, uh, it's another project that has a direction and a purpose and could take me further and deeper into photography and where I want to be in photography. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a long answer, that one. Oh, it's a brilliant answer, though. It's, uh... <laughs> It really gave me a lot to think about. You do about. know I could talk like mad. You do know all this, Grand, do you? You know. That's why I got you on, so I don't have to do any. Yeah. <laughs> I've got questions. <laughs> In terms of that personal expression and how you basically bring that vision together, is that something you – it looks to me in the videos that you have – a bit of an idea about where you're going to go, what you're going to shoot, but not necessarily you'll find things along the way. It might be if you're in the Lake District, for example, you might be halfway up a hill and you see some light and you go, bang, I've got to shoot that, even though you're not where you wanted to be for the original shot and the original idea about being out there. Yeah. Do you pre-visualise and do you think about the shot that you want to take before you're getting out there or are you more spontaneous and it just uh, i'm going to go to this place and there's going to be some light and we'll deal with the consequences pre-visualizing leads to disappointment almost nine out of ten times okay the chase the drama the hunt the wandering the thoughts in your mind negative or positive mood has a great deal to do with it. Mm-hmm. Happiness, sadness, whatever place you're in. That's why we go out sometimes to clear our heads. I have Absolutely. a local tree. Yeah. Whole local tree gets treated in such a way where my images sometimes, nine out of ten, are dark, moody, foreboding. And the mm-hmm. tree's done nothing to me but be there for me. <laughs> but poor, that poor tree gets all the moody shots and then the Lake District get all the glory. So <laughs> lo- local trees tend, and I have noticed this, local vicinities tend to be where I'm in a certain poignancy. I feel I'm feeling the weight of work or yep. life. So those images, they reflect that. But when I'm going further afield, there's an excitement, there's a the chase, the wandering becomes romantic, it becomes poetic. And they show that in those images. And I, I'm learning that just by the put the doing, just by doing it and going yeah. out. There's no plan. I, I'm going out on Saturday, but I'm going with the kids. I've just received a, 
I've got to show it. I've got I've just received this. I'm really excited about Nikon ZF. I've got obviously I'm on Nikon, so I've got the glass. Yep. I've had this for four hours and oh wow. Oh yeah. Wow. I love gear. I love cameras. I don't mind admitting it. I've got myself a, a Ricord GR3 as well. Mm-hmm. And that's for street photography, I'm loving that. I've got my Z7 for really big megapixel. Again, not what people think, not for print, for experimentation, breaking okay. the rules, cropping, using different aspect ratios, which is something when I'm out, not preconceiving, but when I see a scene, I start putting frames around things. Mm. I start thinking, this is... Uh, square, this is four by three, this is five by seven. This is a start seems 16 by nine. Before I've even got the camera to me, I, I, I this might be from my graphic design background, I don't know, but I can see the frames, I can see where the branches are, the mountains or the clouds or wherever fit within and the foreground, etc. Position things simply in the third a lot of the time, yep. and work from that formula, mm. uh, but very basic. And then whatever happens, and that for me is the the key to my photography. It's lovely to just be carefree in all weathers as well. Workshops are fun because I have locations I take people on with workshops. Yep. But, but I experience what they experience because I don't know where I'm going. I do, I do, I do know. I'll have a selection of places that I think are crutch, if you like. Right. Where I think I can take them there because I know there's a shot. Yeah, yeah. But so far, and I've done quite a few over the past, I say I've been doing them now for two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. I started by calling it an experience because I didn't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm Charlie Big Tog. I know what I'm doing. and. Uh, it's about coming out with me and experiencing the landscape and having your camera, having a laugh, having fun. And that's developed now to the point where I've got more confidence. I, I obviously have been shooting for a long time. I know what I'm doing with the camera and I don't mind admitting it a bit now uh, because I, I, originally I was quite like, oh, no, I'm I'm, I'm not technical. Yep. But really, even though I'm saying that now, I think... It's not about the technicality. It's about expression. It's about what. So when we go on a workshop, I like for tech folk out where I'm experiencing it real time with them. Yeah. As the light changes, as the the weather changes. And I went out with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago. Andrew, it's fantastic. I'm saying it was fantastic. We met up at six o'clock in the morning. It was pitch black and absolutely lashing it down with rain. And I thought, this will test, because I, yeah. I, I I knew there was a couple of shots in the rain that had worked. There's a pine tree out sure. on, the, on the, the lake, so the rain works like fog and mist. And, and we got there, and anyway, he was well up for it, and he did really well. And we experienced some very bad weather for the first two hours. Incredible, though. The rain went, and then we were in cloud, and it was fog and mist. And that change was in, in, in four hours was spectacular. And mm. you can't help but get caught up in that. And I think then, for me, that shows to the, the client, to the workshop, that this is real. This isn't about taking you to a place where there's tripod marks in the floor. Stick yep. your tripods in, point at that, that scene, 
we're going to find and work a scene and yeah might it might not always work but i guarantee people you'll come away with five images that are of a level that you think yeah i'm happy with them yeah. or maybe one portfolio shot is a good day you know? that's one of the things i like about workshops that i run particularly yeah. c is wow. yeah. you can't predict what are you going to get that big fat band of cloud on the horizon, which is 99% of the time that I get, or are you going to get that little crack that just lets that light in and you turn up, it's pitch dark, you don't know, you you know what the tide's doing, you know what the sea state's going to be, but other than that, you've got, it's a lottery and you've got to work the scene, you've got to find a rock with some flow or you've got to right. find Come those on, in the sand tell, or something. Tell, ladies and, tell the ladies and gentlemen, though, where your coast is. Come on, <laughs> oh, what beautiful yeah. piece of coastline you've got. It it does okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind a crack at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's here. <laughs> yeah, I'm It's coming. not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. But it, I think that experience that you described is really a big part of what makes photography so fascinating for yeah. for people is that unknown you know that there's a shot but you've still got to actually work it and you've got to make it and you've actually got to build a composition because yeah anyone can point a, a wide angle at a, a large scene and go click happy days i've got some nice light but when you're talking about something that's going to be a little bit more intimate finding a tree in the fog with yeah. the right sort of background or finding the right wave patterns that give you pleasing shapes in the water and those sorts of things. Those are the elements, I think, which really make it a challenge and something that, for me, that that's the fun of photography. Yeah, it, it, that's the fun, yeah. yeah. So in terms of that fun, you obviously have a lot of fun when you're out and about that comes across in a big way in your videos. And if anyone hasn't watched any of your videos, they should simply because I, I love them because they are so much fun and you can see the passion. You can see the element of fun is that so, sometimes you, you're doing that on your own. Sometimes you're doing that with others. Is that something that bouncing off other photographers and bouncing off other people is more enjoyable or is it something that you just got to get on with or do you enjoy that getting out on your own and digging into the the landscape for yourself which, which is the, the the way that you prefer to go again it's mood it depends how you're feeling it depends what do i want to do next week what am i thinking what's going there's a couple of places i've got in mind that uh, i want to go to that i will be going with people because I want to share the experience or it's a walk, a hike, like good friends. I did hell Helen. They mm -hmm. got me up there. I wouldn't have gone up there without them. Yep. So that, that, that is amazing. They're a wonderful group of people. And then I've got my good friend, Mikey, and we head out together again. We get to places that I possibly, I would go to on my own, but being together, we bounce off each other so much because it is a very changing weather, changing landscape. But then it depends how I'm feeling. Like this weekend, I'm out with the family. I'm out with my two girls. Cameron will still be with me. We'll be going to some flea markets, taking them to an exhibition 
that I'm actually in. I've got a piece in there, a woodland piece in there in a local photography. Oh, it's an art exhibition, an open art exhibition. Luckily, I said luckily, the uh, quality is very high and I got highly commended for that. Oh, so, uh, yeah, my kids want to go and see it and see what dad's done. So we're going doing that. But I'll be taking the camera with me. And this is how it goes. So next weekend, it's obviously with 22nd, 23rd Christmas. Poppy will go out on the Saturday. And no doubt that 23rd, I'll be on my own because I want to go out with this ZF. Yeah. I do get some miles under the feet. I've been a bit stagnant of late with my walking and I, I need to get out and do a few miles. So I think I'll be on my own then. But then in between Christmas, I'll no doubt be meeting up with people and getting together and going doing some walks and, and photography. And then next year, I've got a couple of times I'm out with already organised when going out with people yep. and other photographers. And I've noticed as well, collaboration doesn't have to have we live in a world where it's i scratch your back and you scratch mine yeah very transactional yeah and uh it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that because mm. i struggle with that maybe i'm old-fashioned here maybe i need to get with the program you've asked me to come on and i know it's just to have a chat because you've seen me knocking about thank you very much and it's wonderful and i think that that's a great way of doing it and that's how i like to see my podcast is i have a genuine understanding and thirst for the creativity yeah and it's the same when i go out for instance as a gentleman called gary goff i go out yep. with him yep. sometimes regular and he's forever pushing and trying to get me more subscribers and things like that and he's such a gentleman well i don't do it for that because i do it because we have a laugh we have the crack and we take good pictures and, and I like for think he gets something from me and I get something from him in terms of inspiration or ideas oh, or creativity, oh. not subscribers, not influencer. I won't swear, but you know what I'm saying? It, I do. It, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Companionship and being with like-minded creatives is great. It really is. It, Absolutely. Um, and and I'm also going to say something here where I think if you're with people who are better than you as well, you tend to, I'm not competitive, but you tend to perform. You tend to. It, it pushes you to yeah. experiment a bit more, I think. Yeah. 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 And I think that's key in everything I've done over the years, especially with YouTube, that pushing yourself and being with people who are your peers and you respect. I went out with Verity Milligan and Adam okay. Hanak, and I'm editing the images and that. That video is three months old, two months old now. Yep. He put his video out, Adam, almost first man photography. Yeah, it was yeah, and it was yeah, it was a good one that as well. He's great to talk to, and we just the three of us together. It was great, really good fun, and a genuine friendship. But I have so much respect for the creativity. Mm. Like, and then seeing him work in the field and the way he put B-roll and pieces together was just like, wow, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, it was almost a, a sleight of hand. <laughs> the way I saw the video and I was like, wow, I remember him filming that and yeah. how he's put it together and how his mind's thinking of the story and how it comes together and develop. And that was just wonderful experience, but not just that. It was wonderful just chatting and having a laugh as well. Absolutely. Verity's, 
Verity's compositional skills and her eye and the way she sees things was just like taking us around this woodland it was just so meaningful and great feeling at the end of it coming away and thinking i want to do that again and we're going to meet up again and and we are going to meet up again and there's no agenda there's nothing but we all just want to be creative and, that, yeah, and exactly. share a bit of we talk about the world don't we and we talk about what's going yep. on in life mm-hmm. and, and share that and and i've completely forgot what your question was <laughs> Just on on Verity, I've actually I don't normally talk about who's coming up, but I've actually got her coming yeah. up in about a month or so. Yeah, I'm re- haven't recorded that one yet, so I'm really looking forward yeah. to talking to her. I think her stuff's absolutely amazing. I'll ask you another question. Let, let's forget that yeah, one. Cool. <laughs> Obviously, you're a great communicator. Do you attribute? So I I think you are anyway. Do you attribute any of your success to that ability to communicate? And I don't just mean in being able to talk, but visually communicate, which is really what we're trying to do as photographers. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for YouTube. Yeah. Let's face it. And and I've not got a big, I say I've not got a big following. Some people might say it is. And I, I personally think what I've got, I've worked damn hard for and it's been slow. I'm coming up to 8,000 subscribers. And people say the numbers shouldn't matter. They do. The numbers do matter because it's effort and effort put in. Yeah. And if you're not getting a return on that effort, why do you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I probably still would do it. And I've said this before. I would still continue doing it. And it would, and it it has been like that. (laughs) I guess I could say that you're putting the effort in and, but it has been very slow. It's been five years. Yeah. And some people have gone, you know, a lot of yeah. subscribers and, and things like that. And that's not something I'm looking at, but I wouldn't be here. You say great communicate. I, I, I don't see myself as a, I've been told this by some people who I really admire. I should have name drop. Um, yeah, go I for it. Talk, I got talking to this gentleman when we was at Lock Inch at the uh, Margaret Soraya's Festival. Yep. And I'd already interviewed Sean Tucker on the podcast, had a chat. And Sean came to do the talk. And I was doing a talk at this show as well. And he said to me about my strengths. And one of them was the ability to communicate and convey what I'm doing creatively with other mm. people. And, uh, and it was like a light bulb. It was like someone hit me, Thor hit me with his hammer, and just boom, my head wobbled. And I was like, no way, yeah, that's it. That's what I've been doing. And strangely enough, Grant, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. I was just doing what I loved. And so the videos have been, I mean, I've been you get your critiques and people like that. But I don't really care because they're not meant to be planned. They're meant to be just what they yeah. are. Sure. Uh, it's all about the photography and job done because I'm here. I've met some of the greatest photographers in the world that I consider. I've had the privilege to spend time with. I've been in places that I could only dream of getting to Yeah. without YouTube or without doing the podcast. This opportunity, opportunity has come from that medium. And I guess that is because I'm communicating to people what I'm doing. So. Yeah. I don't consider myself, I didn't consider myself that, but now I'm starting to realise it's something I need to focus in on more. 
but I don't want it to um, tarnish or interfere with the photography side of things. So it's sure. getting that balance. Yeah. Getting the balance right. So where did YouTube start for you? What what prompted, all right, I'm going to start a channel, I'm going to start vlogging or whatever you want to call that side of the photography? You were obviously out taking photos already. Where did the desire to record what you were doing kick off? There was a, I say a movement. It was a movement. There was quite a few people that I'd got to know by following their channels, James Burns. Yep. Uh, there was a gentleman called John Aswell who had a group called Landscape Photography on YouTube UK, and that was quite big. There was quite a lot of vloggers on there starting off. Yeah. I met quite a few friends on there that I've done other things with since, and I could see what they was doing, and I wanted to go and do podcasts, and I'd said this. That oh, I'm, I want to do podcasts. This is what I'm going to do. I'm no good. My accent and the way I talk, for one, being very broad, and I'm trying to keep it under control tonight. That <laughs> I'm not e by gum talking all uh, northern. I didn't think it was something I'd, I'd do to be on camera. And then there was a gentleman, Stephen McNally. We went out together up to a place in Yorkshire with the camera. My first video I ever made, and mm. I just did it on a phone. And it felt great. It felt right. When I watched it back, it was cringing. I've left that video and I left leave all my videos up there. Because yeah, I sure. guess it shows that progression. And and that was it. There was no thought into it. It was just right, I'll make another one and then okay. another one and then another one. And that's all it's been for five years is just continually going around. I'm gonna go and make a video this weekend and and to the point where now I go out, I make that many videos. I can't, I've got, I think it's eight videos backed up that I've not edited. Okay. Wow. Thousands of photographs. So it, it, it's becoming work-like, but we're back to that thing again, where I don't let it get on my shoulders. And I think oh, it'd be all right. Yeah. I can put an autumn one out next autumn. There'll always be another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, whatever. I could put it. I've put summer ones out. The Blackpool one I've just put out was blazing sunshine and there was snow on the floor when I put that out. <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah. matter, does it? No, that, I, it that, probably, that's the thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it does for YouTube and ratings and algorithm okay. and people watching. Yeah. People are thinking, this guy's putting things out from summer. It's not, he's not with the season. So everything. So this is another spin off part here. Everything is in it these days. Has to be done the day you do it. I've got oh. to do a story. I've got yeah. to film myself now. I've got to put it out now. One of the people that was a huge influence on me is Thomas Heaton. Yeah. And yeah. very early on, I was following him and Adam, first man photography. I was probably one of the first viewers. There was a handful of us, and that they yeah. were starting off. And of course, they grew quite quickly, but. We were a part of watching them from the beginning. They were a massive influence on me, especially Thomas Heaton back then and a, a gentleman called Paul Johnson. Okay. Paul, yep. Paul, uh, in terms of YouTube, ah, what, just adored him. He was so transparent. There was no pretense. He, he was great to 
watch entertaining down to earth and a damn damn fine photographer mm. and he had a profound effect on me because he was a family man we were similar in a lot of ways and um, him and Thomas Eaton but now Thomas Eaton he, he, he's obviously I don't think he's doing these daily videos because he wants subscribers he's doing it as a challenge He's yeah. doing it because he, he loves doing it for starts. Clear to see with that last video tonight. He's I was going to say, look, looking looking at them, he he does want like he loves a challenge, but yeah. can also see in behind his eyes, he's not actually loving doing that daily vlog thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of yeah. I can see that. Yeah, the, the there's I don't a know struggle whether it's there. The, oh my god, I've got to do another one tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think giving himself again, it's the projects, isn't it? Giving himself that challenge and, yeah. and doing that is interesting. But we're in this world where everything has to be done the moment we do it. Mm. And I struggle with that because I tend to just I do it and I leave it to one side. And I think it I like in my mind it's fermenting, it's gonna get better with age. <laughs> I, I think also the romance of the image, the time you're out in the landscape and when you come back a month later to edit the videos you've romanticized it a bit yeah it's become the realism of the day especially if it's bad weather you can be down on yourself but when you come back to it a couple of weeks or a month later you see the images with fresh eyes and go ah and you forgot that you was cold, you was wet, you thought you wasn't getting anything, it was a yeah. failure, or all the negativity, or whatever's going on at that time. Or even you might be exhilarated, and you think, wow, that was amazing. And then if you go at them straight away, you're disappointed because you think, oh, they're not that good. But if you yeah. leave them for a week or two, you come back to them and think, actually, oh, I've got some, oh, do you remember that light? And then... It kicks it all off in your mind, and there's this flourish of, of enthusiasm. So you then edit and create. So that's where I'm at tonight. I've just been editing a lot of tree images that are just in autumn when I was out with Verity and Adam. And and then going back and seeing them with these eyes today was, oh, wow, I've just seen another composition that I, I didn't think about at the time as a square oh. crop and black and white. Uh, there was a, a scene with all these thin birch in the background and mm. a heavier weighted birch, probably about, say, half a foot to a foot thick, Yep. dark. And the darkness leaving the back. And at the time when I shot that, I could have deleted it. It would be gone. But I came back and went, ah, no. If I just raise the, hi the highlights, raise the shadows, and just play around with the blacks, and it, it whoa, that's a nice black and white. Stop done move on done yeah, so yeah. That, that that's how i see that kind of pressure and that doing that in, is not to do it instantly cool you talked a little bit about how you started there in video how much effort for people that are thinking oh yeah i'll start my own blogging and um, whatever the thing I always look at and to be honest it's one of the things that's stopping me from doing that sort of thing is all the b-roll of having to go and walk up the hill place the camera walk back down the hill walk back towards the <laughs> check check the video did that work oh no I tripped over on the way up or whatever go back down the hill walk back up <laughs> reset how yeah. much effort is there 
in the field when you're actually putting it together. And then obviously then there's the studio time of actually splicing it into a meaningful story that you can actually consume. Yes. For people that are starting out, it's possibly a daunting task. Again, it's the same thing as the photography. If you really get wrapped up in what you're supposed to do, Mm-hmm. So I'm supposed to put the camera walk past it, go and pick it back. You're supposed to film all these different B-rolls. I don't do that. And I, I guess this is probably why I'm crap. <laughs> <laughs> or don't don't get the usual audiences because I, I just, I'll do B-roll if I feel it's right. Or uh, if yeah, I'm right. talking, I'm jangling, as I say, if I'm going on and talking, I, I'll I'll leave it in and cut it down or, or whatever. So the, I don't feel, oh, I need to get that leaf moving in the wind. Or if the leaf's moving in the wind, it looks good. I'll film it and I'll put yeah, it right. in. The amount of times I just leave B-roll on the cutting room floor because I, I think, God, that's boring. Ah, do, do I really need to show me reaching in my bag for the 50th time? Do I need to show <laughs> me putting the camera on the tripod and screwing up the tripod head? No, I don't. And I know these things tell the story. I, sure, I understand sure filmmaking i understand it all but a lot of the time i choose not to because i just you can do this is the thing grant you can do what you want yeah Yeah. you've just give yourself a set of barriers and rules remove them all get your phone whatever camera i vlog on my phone again i've gone full I've had all kinds of cameras. I've wanted to get the the blurry well, cameras that are so good now. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The iPhone 14 Pro that I've got is fantastic, and it's so reactive and quick. Mm. Where I'd normally go out when I've shot with the GoPro in the past, I'm never happy with it. It was always crashing. But go, although I slag GoPros off, they are brilliant for vlogging. Yeah, they are a great way to start off. I've had proper cameras. I've had Fuji cameras where you need filters on to control uh, uh, the the exposure and, and shutter speed. And then there's the talk about the rule of 20, 30 frames a second. You need to yep. be at 60. No, no frames. No, <laughs> all this jittering. Oh, you look like you. No, don't watch with me that. You're okay. watching it on YouTube. Most people are watching it on a phone. Yeah, if you're lucky, they're watching it on a phone, maybe if an iPad. Yeah, if you're lucky, they're on an iPad, or if you're even lucky, you're on a big screen. I watch all my vlogs on... I do it on my 55-inch TV. Yeah, snap! Yeah. <laughs> Sit, sitting on the couch. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and it's great. It really is, but I bet you're not sat there thinking, oh, he's at 30 frames a percent. Is he doing it one sixtieth a second? Oh, no, I don't care about this. Yeah, no. don't care about the frame count. No. So unless I do unless care I... about the resolution sometimes when yeah, when someone's yeah. filmed something in 480p. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I'm still to move to 4K. I, I'm happy at 1080 unless I crop in. And there is a couple of my video. That's where the iPhone does let you down in low light and certain conditions where yeah. the video quality drops off and it can be a little bit mushy or soft. And then I think, do you know what? I'm going to leave it in because it's part of the video that I like or the story or whatever. But the, the key to the answer to the question is the age-old Nike, just do it. Yeah, Really, it really is. Get rid of all that pressure. Get rid of all them preconceived ideas and thinking, I need to do this. Just film it. 
but but think about it. Keep it simple. Make sure your head's in the frame. Yeah. Our heads here now, they're pretty much where we want to be. You don't want to be filming your vlog like That's that. Right. Or you don't want to be filming your vlog like that. So you think, oh, and we've all done it. You've just got to gotta think about it a little bit, where you're positioning. And then when you start doing that, then you start realising, oh, I'll add a bit more here. Yeah. And I will film some B-roll or I've got whatever. Else. I might script that, but I don't script nothing. I just talk absolutely anything that comes in my head pretty much <laughs> like we are doing now <laughs> i've thrown my script away so i'm here good man <laughs> brilliant uh the i i guess one of the things that really comes across in the videos as i said is your sense of fun and personality how much importance do you think people put to that now because i see a lot of people that get very serious about their photography and what's meant to be artistic and all the rest of this sort of thing but i think some people also they get a bit precious about it i don't see that in you and there's a lot of people i know that aren't like that in in photography circles but i guess how do you keep that sense of fun is it just the pure enjoyment of doing it that yeah. keeps it rolling yeah. Yeah, yeah, the enjoyment of doing it, not stuck in an office, or it it it, it just feels right. It just feels like natural. But I do take my photography very serious. I am. I worry sometimes that the personality, or I don't even see it. I don't even know. I'm just doing what I love. I just I'm just having a laugh and enjoying myself. But the photography is very serious to me. It is. It means everything to me. Yes. So I don't want to mock it by being an idiot in front of camera. Right. Uh, there has to be a certain, again, amount of emotion in there. Um, it, it is quite emotional being in the landscape, mm. seeing the landscape transform and seeing how light plays out or, or maybe doesn't as how storms can arrive. And all of this is it's got all the answers to life, everything we need to know uh, about the way we conduct ourselves, adversity, everything is there. And, and that that part of me, the seriousness, is there always. The, the pictures mean so much to me. But then I think if I'm recording and I'm not going to stand there and be... Sometimes I'm conscious of the fact that I might be overdoing it. and okay. But I'm not doing it as a performance it, it's happening i'm not performing and then i'll think about that sometimes and think oh am i getting too carried away and i won't swear again i just sod it i'll just that oh, doesn't matter it's an adult it. podcast <laughs> I, I don't when you start letting thoughts creep in when you asked me earlier about do you like analyze you think about where it's going and stuff yeah. it's exactly the same with this if the moment you start thinking about who you are and what you're doing the essence of who you are and what you're doing is gone yeah if i have to start thinking i'm making a fool out of myself i wouldn't do it yeah so i just think i'll do whatever i'm doing and when i'm editing it i have a point in my head where i think there's a crude meter there's a level of like where I'll think I've gone too far there. I've mentioned too many 
rude words or I've said too many things. Like the Blackpool one, I cut the crap out of that because the guy I spoke to on the street, he was blue as could be. Yep. The things he was talking about, I thought, I cannot put that in. I have... You're getting demonetized now, don't you? Yeah, this is another thing as well. That, but this isn't about the the police of 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 what's right or wrong or sure. like YouTube has come. This is more a moral thing from myself, my yeah. upbringing, where I think I've gone too far. That that's all right for that moment with that person, but once it's on film, once you've caught it, if you publish that and put it out there for everyone to see, so yeah. many people could take that the wrong way it could upset people and that's not what i'm about i i, I want to have a laugh and have a good time but yeah. there, there's always a consideration there but not to analyze i think that's a road traveled you'll be lost i just i that'd be it be game over my youtube would probably die a death if i had to start thinking about things and yeah. so it, what is what you get with me there's no i'm not pretending i'm not acting it certainly like, comes across that way. You seem, seem very gentle. You could that, could you? Hopefully <laughs> not. No. Um, I want to move on to photography and, in particular, landscape photography's place in society. What do you see is its place? And I'm thinking in terms of how society relates to landscape photography. You know, as a landscape photographer yourself, there's never a lot of money in it, so you're doing it for love. Yeah. Do you feel the love back from society? It's a good question. I think it's become a commodity. It's just take it or leave it now. It's There's that yeah. much of it, and there's that much of it now that is it even real? <laughs> yeah, I found a, uh, a site where you can actually upload one of your images and it'll analyse it and tell you whether or not it's uh, AI or human-created image. And it was one of my seascapes that I'd taken, I think, about two days before. Yeah. Uh, it was a single frame. And it was 95.3% AI-created. That, oh that was their probability. <laughs> wow. That's shocking. Actually. Now that could just mean it's a crap tool and it doesn't really do yeah, much. But they say they're saying that there's a lot of talk about AI at the moment where it, it, they're saying all this is going to happen, but really it's not cutting it. It's miles off. Oh, it absolutely, really, it, absolutely. But then in in a shallow from a, a really not shallow. What's the word I'm after? In a quick flick point of view, which. The society we live in now, that's why I say landscape photography is just thousands of images. Yeah, you, you scroll through a million yeah. a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And so the AI mixed in with that, no one's noticing. No one's seeing that mountain is a bit odd. And why have they got six arms? And why? I saw an image yeah, the other count night. Count my fingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was an image of a, someone said it was a giant sausage roll in the streets of London in the, 1920s or something and all these people lining it and they didn't have heads <laughs> they were all suited and ties but the heads were squashed we just it was so weird to see yeah. but if you didn't look at the image and you're just flicking you'd see it and go oh wow look at that and flick on yeah but actually the image was just it was a um oh what's the word i'm after it was a representation without the the full details in there 
And, and that was, wow, that was a big uh, realisation that it, it's like ourselves now. You're listening to me talking, which, again, is a privilege to come on and talk about yourself. Everyone loves it, let's face it, yeah. don't we? <laughs> so looking at an image and, and seeing images, it takes a certain time and consideration, doesn't it? You've got to stop and look. And, and no one's listening. No one's stopping and looking and seeing Say yeah. no one. I'm generalizing massively there. Sure, of course, sure. people are. Of course, people are stopping and looking. Of course, people listen. But it's almost a programming. A, 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 we're becoming like programmed to not listen to each other, to yep. not communicate because we're on devices. So we're not looking at eye contact. And I think landscape photography has gone very much that way where you could see if we didn't know Ansel and Adam's name and we didn't know a famous photographer, you'd just get through his image and go, oh, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's nice. On. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like probably one of the greatest images ever taken. But on Instagram, it'd be like, oh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> art is the art of looking, isn't it, in a gallery. You'd purposely physically get up and go to a room yep. and look at things. Mm. And and that part of it is what makes it of value. And yeah. we're now devaluing that by this constant bombardment of imagery. Top quality. Some of the talk you've mentioned before about personality and YouTube and me being here. Now, a lot of people like slagging YouTube off because they say that a lot of people are getting where they're getting because of YouTube and, and because, just because they can make some videos and the photography sucks, they're normally photographers who are introverts and can't do that side of things. Yeah. But good photography is still great. Great photography is still great photography, whether you're yeah. on YouTube or not. So the images are so important to me to create art, to create expression. And and and, and I do see that bitterness, that uh, feeling of like, landscape photographers like they're getting all the attention and i'm not and i've been doing photography and and their images are amazing there are so many photographers out there who are amazing great photographers it just so happens that within that society we live in the stories quick get it out now they get the attention this is why i struggle with it because it's not it's a constant battle of attention and i, I don't I need to get attention to progress, but there's a level of attention, isn't there, what you're seeking? So yeah. in terms of the question about landscape photography, those that seek it the most and are shouting the loudest usually get quite far, but their images, will they actually last? Will they actually stand the test of time? Yeah. And I think that's the key for me with with. No matter what, great photography is always going to be great. Even if AI, AI comes in, it will never stand the test of time. It will never stand up. Great images will always rise up. I like to think a positive way that great photographers will break through at some point. Or like, like Van Gogh, for instance, as an artist, and okay, he was dead and he's gone and he never saw his fame. He never saw how much he transformed the art world mm. and, and what an influence he had yeah, on the people. influence that he's had, yeah. And I actually think we're in a bit of a, we're in a, a, at the moment, we're in this amazing place. You think how many people are being creative these days. We've never, ever had a society that is so focused on imagery and creating yeah. imagery, 
creating video, creating something. It is a renaissance in, in creativity at the moment. They're trying oh, to squash it, but yeah. there's a huge rise up of people, ah, especially in certain areas of the, the world. Hmm. You're seeing pockets of these people making and creating. And, of course, then it gets quelled because of commerciality to continue and to live on and have money and to pay your bills. You have to then do certain things. But I still like to believe that good quality or really passionate expression, doing something that has meaning, true meaning, will shine through more than, say, someone knocking out some images because they want to showcase a lens, he says, with a lens I've just received from TT Artisans. But <laughs> I'm not going to say no. I've got, no, uh, that's the it. I, yeah. the, the, the way I see it, I think I've been given this lens, and the way I'm looking at it is when I was younger, to have a, a prime lens at f2.8 would have cost me quite a lot of money. Yep. And now you can pick up a lens of this quality, f2.8, I think, for 140 quid. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. So the, it's how you look at things, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think then this gear idea, I'm picking and choosing what I, I, I want to promote because there's a reason behind it. One, they're supporting me, and I have to be supported to continue like yourself. Yep. We, we can't do this for, for nothing, which is we're near enough doing it for now. I feel like it's like I'm doing it for nothing. Yeah. Um, the podcast we put out is, it's, uh, but it's all for a reason, isn't it? And I think landscape photography, oh, dare I say this, will always be there for me. But I would, I'm going down the path where I want to make more images, more photography that has meaning, that has, when I say meaning, socially, it has some message. It's got some reason behind it. Hence why I want to do all the cities across the country. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and at the moment, I'm just doing street photography as it's as it is a safe street photography. But whilst I'm doing that, I'm seeing and learning and, and big building up I'm seeing how people are existing in these cities and how we're in a, uh, there's a lot going on that uh, needs representing and showing homelessness and things like that. I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road of homelessness, but there's definitely at the moment in the UK, a crumbling of the cities. Yeah. Uh, we're going back to a time. I remember quite clearly in, in Thatcherism and, there's there's this facade a minute at the minute of lots of people have wealth in one area yeah. and lots of people have got nothing yeah. and i'm seeing that my photography i'd like to go further down that road and see how it can represent this inequality yeah and give meaning to what i'm doing yeah fantastic that that in itself just sounds like an amazing project yeah yeah, yeah. tough it, yeah definitely definitely in terms of where you like to shoot, obviously you've talked about the local trees and the lake districts, yeah. obviously a, a honeypot location. You, I've been there. You can't beat it. It's There's a new frame around every corner. Is there anywhere else that is a favourite spot that just keeps calling you back? There is, and it's a place I haven't been since I've done YouTube. Okay. And it's a place I mentioned very early on in our conversation where I was a lad, I was took with my dad and my family used to go there on holiday. 
And for 12 years, we went this place. Wow. <laughs> and I could go there now and I know the place, like the back of my hand. I probably know it more than the, some of the locals because of the way my dad was. And yeah. off we'd go, off we'd walk into the Forest of Dean. And the Forest of Dean and the Wye Valley and around Tintern and around Ross-on-Wye and areas like Cannock Ponds and yep. just these places that are filled with incredible forestry and scenic and beautiful rivers, the River Wye itself and Tintern around that area. Yeah, yeah. It's a stunning place. And for some reason, I haven't gone back there, but I have to do this year. I have to go back there. I did have a project where I was going to photograph the A49. Okay. A very old air road that takes yep. you to South Wales and the borders of from Shrewsbury and down all the way, the Whitchurch, you keep going, following the A49 down. And I thought I'd do something where I'd photograph key places along that way and get to the Forest of Dean and then do a photo. But again, it's another bloody project, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> but when you say about areas, I'd love to go and spend time there. And now with the the different way I view and the different way I see things. I just like for saying, I said before, it's tough. It's only tough when you do these things like these projects is because you want to do them well and you want to create something that does have meaning. So yep. the Forest of Dean for me, it's it almost ties in with the, what I mentioned about society. I went there not long ago as a family, not as a photographer. We had a little holiday there, and I couldn't believe how run down the place was called Lydney, that I yeah. went there many times, and it's on the River Severn, a wide opening. There's canals there, and it, it used to be so beautiful when I was younger, and now it was just so industrialised and quite lost. Yeah. A lot of the industry was closed that once existed there and even the canals were overgrown and nothing was kept and the fishermen's pegs were all overgrown and and uh, i remember and i remember seeing carp in there a foot and a half long that swam up and down there all day in beautiful waters and now the, it wasn't like that so uh, there's a little bit of of that creeping in again where it's about the effects of of man on the environment within landscape photography maybe i'm i'm maturing ground growing up a bit again i am getting serious but still won't stop me having a good time and laughing but i think to highlight some things would be a good a good thing to do yeah absolutely and i think one of one of the things i find in the photography community and i've i've been in contact with uh, a couple of people that are also in the climate activism but also climate science Yes. Uh, space and in talking to them it's really critical I, I think for photographers to start being advocates for the environment and getting people's yeah. awareness up about those changes that are happening you know I'm talking to some Kiwi photographers and recently about the really what do you call it the reduction in size of a number of the glaciers there and yeah. just the retreat of that ice wall that used to be two or three kilometers further down the valley than it is now it's just if you're not documenting that you're not showing people what's going yeah. on with that and it's not about necessarily showing them a horror story but it's 
I, I think it's uh, absolutely a necessary part of being a landscape photographer because if we're not going to do anything about it and we're supposedly the people that love it or some of the people that love it the most because it's yeah. where we make our livings, it's where we're working most of our time, if we're not yeah. going to do anything about it, who is? I, I think, so there's two ways to that. And I, I got this when we was in lockdown. I wish I'd have gone out and photographed more when we was in lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I could kick my... I don't have regrets. I can't stand the things. I regret not going out and walking around the town. The, uh, you could do that. People just didn't want to. I, I regret not getting out more and doing more of that time. And I think yeah. that had a played on that, that, that you say the glaciers... I don't want to be someone that stands on a soapbox, though. I just want to no. point my cam point point my camera at it. I want to just point my camera at different things now compared to what I, I am doing and what I was doing. Yeah. And I think that change in in seeing and changing creating is possibly coming from the time spent. I think maturing and and just growing into it more and more. Uh, as we get older and having kids and seeing the future. But I just think, do we have any profound effect when Tiff Murtha, the video yep. that I, I went to watch the other night, and when you think about society, how it was in the 80s, early 80s, and I remember it very well, and people forget quickly. So to just take a photograph, you don't even need to write a song and dance in it just to have that photograph and have it published or have it on YouTube or something is a strong, strong message indeed. Totally. And I think, yeah, I don't think to try and be changing things or being like, I don't know, an evangelist for standing on a soapbox, like I say, but missed opportunities of photographing things that have happened in our time. Yeah. It's yeah. unforgivable really, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think it's one of the most important things that we can do as photographers is yeah. record what's going on around us. And I know looking at street scenes just here in Sydney and from when I was a kid in the 60s, 70s and, and 80s, but even the older ones, the photos of my parents, I love looking through some of those old albums and seeing the way people dressed, but also the cars, but also the yes. buildings and the change in the That's streetscapes it. is yeah. in, insane. Or you go down to some of the beaches and you go, well, this beach used to be this sort of almost pristine wilderness and it was a holiday destination, but it's now a suburb of Sydney and it's all built up and there's skyscrapers next to it and blocks of flats wow. and all that sort of thing. And yeah. seeing that change and being able to record it and show that to people, I think, is a, as you say, it's a really powerful message. Do you ever hit creative walls? Do you ever get in a rut and go, I can't be bothered? No. You don't strike Simple. me as the sort that would. <laughs> Simple answer to that. So how do you keep motivated? What is it that keeps you going? We're lucky to be here, aren't we, really? It's yeah. gratitude. Just grateful, really grateful. Yeah, to have a camera and walk around anywhere. And it could be a wall, it could be a fence, it could be a bridge, it could be an underpass, it could be where the light falls on a, a lamppost, it could be a car's lights blurring, it could be the trees. 
changing of the seasons. Could be rubbish piling up. It could be people walking, crowded areas. Yeah. I could just keep listing things. It could be that shelf behind you where it's like a Pete Mondrian abstract. Uh, it could be anything going in, going out wider. Um, I, I, I like, I, I know it gets said a lot, but you get your tight shots, your mids, and then your wides. And that, I think, just constantly doing that, do, 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 looking in, looking out, looking in, looking out. As soon as you pick the camera up, just start, you, you feel yourself changing the way you're seeing. And then yeah. that's the motivation. The, the shots, are, whether they're any good or not, or nothing, it's just the process of doing it. You get back after and have a look, and you think, oh, wow, look at that. There was a, there's a little bridge near me where I live, and there was some crested grebe, not a guillemot. I don't know if you have crested grebe over there. They're like a, I don't think we do. Cross between a duck and some kind of guillemot type thing. Yeah. And the water was so black because the bridge was sh the shadow of the bridge. Mm -hmm. And this bird was just mulling about flicking water on itself, but it was creating these ripples. And it fascinated me, but it took me a while to see it. I didn't see it straight away. I've noticed that with a lot of, of good images or things I enjoy after is that it's what you might not see. It's beside the subject. It's not always obvious. It's always something else that it could be the way the gravel or the way the wall and the light and things meet at angles Oh, oh sure. wow, there's an illumination of, of composition or it could be the way something moves, either it be wildlife or the trees. Fascinated lately with taking longer exposures of trees when there's storms and wind and letting them not, don't move the camera, let the trees move and yeah. focus on one part, try and get one part that's fixed and let everything else move and that abstraction's quite nice. I've been doing that a lot. So it's endless, really. It, so if you think I'm in a rut, oh, I don't want to shoot, it, it's, you're in that mood. Uh, again, let that mood dictate the shot. Go and photograph something quite dark and miserable. Yeah. If you're feeling like that, go see it through. Yeah. Go out and see it through. Go and follow your mood. Yeah. Just press the shutter. It doesn't cost nothing. And don't be so hard on yourself as well. You take up 50 images and they're all rubbish. You just delete them. But, yeah, but there's going to be one. There's going to be one in there. There's going to be one image that will have... So, there's always a reason why you point your lens at something. You've seen something, haven't you? You don't yeah. just go out and point. You're not shooting like this, you know. I'm not looking. You've got the camera over. You're not doing. You, you're nervous. I pointed it at that. I took yeah. that. Why? Narrow it in. I took that because it was that light there, that rock. We're focusing on that. So that was what you liked. What's the problem? That's distraction and, and that. So we're having a conversation with a gentleman the other night where there was these flecks of, of beach leftover leaves that were orange and beautiful. Mm. But. They, they were a choice between the raindrops in the rest of the image. Yep. The raindrops in the rest of the image were the main scene, the most beautiful part of it. Yep. There was this battle, internal battle of we need to leave the leaves in. But no, you're going to have to make a decision here and yeah. cut the leaves out to yeah. get something by focusing in. Is What do we like about what we're looking at here? And then the hard part of going, 
off with its head. Yeah. Forget the preconceived, forget this idea that you had. Really look at the image and find what you liked about it and what you connected with and yeah. focus in on that. Remove distraction and what you're left with is is then one of those yeah. 50 images that you thought, I couldn't take nothing an hour ago. You might end up with something that's your best image you've ever taken. I say this, I've got an image in front of me and I, and I know, again, the rules are cropping. A 45.7 megapixel camera. I disbanded this image and it was just on the computer and I looked at it and I thought, I like them birch there and they were about that big in the rest of the frames. The birch were tiny, rest of the frames big. Yep. And I cropped in, cropped in and cropped in to these birch till I made, a, it, it's a, it is square. I made a square composition of these trees which probably reduced the image down to around four megapixels. <laughs> and then I printed it. Yeah. And then what came out was like, wow. Yeah. A blind mon, here we go with it, a bit of Northwest accent. A, bra- a blind mon and a galloping horse wouldn't know <laughs> that I took that down to four megapixels from this massive image. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that to me is expression, creativity. Forget the real book. Look at what, why do you like it? Focus in on it and make something from it because it's a wonderful world we live in, really. It it harks back to one of my high school photography teachers who said this is the magic of putting a frame around it. Yes. And it's that decision, that deliberate decision, as you said, of what's in and what's out. Yep. And it's that pinpoint focus on what's important to the image and what's not and making sure that's what you're really going to bring out in the image. And I I think you've just expressed it beautifully. Oh, man, thank you very much. Your teacher was a belter (laughs) then. You was privileged there to have a teacher like that. I think it's a key point, isn't it? Was that at high school? or? Yeah, that was high school, yeah. Wow. So it's one of the things that stuck with me ever since. And that making those decisions about what's in, what's out. And that extended into the dark because in those days it was all film. There was no digital. I think it was, it might have been the birth of an idea somewhere off in some lab somewhere. <laughs> the enlarger but, was allowed to go so so high. That's so it. You could only wind the, you know, the enlarger. But that's your crop, it. isn't it? So when they say you, you don't crop it, you shouldn't crop it, that's what your enlarger was doing. You, you was getting bigger. For, and, exactly. And, yeah. burnishing and dodging and burning with bits of card and yep. your hands and bits of wood and but that process i think like yourself like your teacher i think that's maybe where we've it, it, it stuck with us that definitely yeah definitely where do you see photography going in the future and what do you see as the biggest challenges for photography at the moment it's always money isn't it is the challenge money is is the root of all evil we need it and it can be good because without it we wouldn't progress and have gear or food and what have you better things we've got to progress haven't we to a point yeah to a point we it's a box that lets light in so if we removed it all would we still find a way of taking an image i know how to make a pinhole camera yep yeah i I i think there's always a way so i don't think photography's in any harm I think people 
see technology as a way of destruction, that things always getting too easy. I said oh, that about digital. Digital was going to kill. Yeah. And, and when video started, even when it was videotape before it became digital recording per se, that, that was going to kill photography. They've never sold more point-and-shoot cameras now than they've ever done. They're selling more film. Kodak now must be rubbing their hands. 20 yeah. quid for a roll of film. And then another 20 quid for getting processed. What? Yes. And, 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 and don't talk to me about the paper. Yeah, exactly. Even the even just getting paper for your printer at home for your laser jet or inkjet or whatever is, uh, is very expensive now these days. Where's it going? And I, I, I like to stay positive because it's an art form. Yeah. So there will always be people out there creating using the tools whether they be uh 10 by 8 like your ben horn doing yep. that majestic beautiful photography or whether it be the latest sony shooting for national geo or it's the likes of me going out or yourself by the coast with a box of filters smiling at the setting sun yeah <laughs> i just don't i don't see that getting took away it's the connection with what is on the other side of that lens will never ever go away will never change really that as long as there's a subject which the, it's endless possibilities mm. whether it be a pinhole camera or a zf nikon all dancing whatever it doesn't really matter they're just the tools to get the moment that is aesthetically pleasing and that's the way I see it and the way I'm going to go forward with it is it's about creating art, yeah. expression, and hopefully someone connects with it. And when they do connect with it and they leave a message, I just, wow, there's nothing better. And even if they leave a message saying that bracken looks like it's artificial and it's AI, because someone said that in one of my images made me chuckle. I thought, I'm pretty sure if it was AI, I wouldn't do bracken like that. I'd have tidied it up a bit more. Yeah, I would have made it look nicer. <laughs> yeah, real dirty, rotting, dark brown and orange leaves all mulched together. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's fake. It's made it, yeah, it's AI, that. But it just this, this temperament, I think, is the thing. There's a temperament, isn't there, to people? Yeah. And that temperament as a, a creator, as an artist, as like we are, where we're meeting people who are doing what we do. I'm guessing you found like I've found a lot of similarities and I'm guessing yourself, you have a lot in common with everyone as well because you do photography. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you expressed it really well earlier. We're in a renaissance now. And yeah. in, in my mind, I don't see people or people that want to create something from stopping doing that. There's, there is no barrier except the end of life on, on on earth and that may well come <laughs> yeah <laughs> so <But, lovely. laughs> yeah that's it no one's going to be here to care after that but i i think that while we're here there's always going to be someone that wants to go out and create and going out into the landscape and doing that yeah. is something that's always going to happen whilst I think I'd be sweating a little bit more if I was a product photographer or a fashion photographer because a lot of that is yeah. starting. I won't say a lot. Some of that has started to shift towards AI. 
generation because marketing departments are rubbing their hands together and saying, oh, good, I don't have to buy that expensive photographer and model now. There's the money, isn't it? That's but if, it. if you plat on, yeah. if you plat on or you're someone who's... So again, if you're good, people will pay for you more. Exactly. Exactly. We just said about films, 20 quid. If you want a guy, you can take, so I want 50 AI shots of all these people. Yeah. And then someone in a business will be going, no, I'm going to pay £150,000. I'm going to get this photographer in because he has a certain look and style. And he's the best. People, and I know what I'm going to get from him. Yeah. I, I think we're going to go to that where people will want real. They, they, Yes, you're cheaper people, cheaper companies. Yeah, uh, any company will try to save money. But if you can be very good and you can get to a position, you're going to make a lot more money. You're going to be sought after because there's less people doing it. So my wife plays church organ. And sadly, most of these people have died or dying who could play two and three tiered organs with pedals and stops and pulling stops out. So culturally, that uh, um, way of doing is fading away and it's becoming unknown. So if someone from another generation like my wife takes that alive. Yeah. She becomes more, it's wow. She, we need you to play our wedding because we don't want to play an iPod or whatever. You don't don't want to push a button. Yeah. (laughs) We want authentic church music played on an organ through the big pipes and it's all over the land, all over this country. There are organs in churches left dormant and not being played because... But it goes goes back to something you said before. It's the feel. If you're in a church and you hear an organ that's being played and that, when you're talking about some of those bass pipes which are a foot and a half in diameter, you feel it. You don't hear it. You actually feel it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that special, you're not going to get out of an iPod yeah. through a set of speakers. Exactly. Yeah. And it's Unless you've got Megadeth's speaker set. Yeah, some WEM speakers. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what they are these days, but yeah, WEM speakers always sticks with me. Well, Pink Floyd live from Pompeii with a massive wall of WEM speakers behind and yeah. was like, oh my God, that's incredible. And now they're probably about that big, the speakers. That's it. Yeah. And that- but I, I think that's the same with photography. I do. I think there'll always be a craft. That's the key. It's yeah. craft. And those that want to learn it and learn it well and do it well will always carry on doing that. And again, I have to mention Ben Horn again. And it's just because I've been listening to him because that's where I'm up to on your podcast. And he said so many things as well about that, that that goal of to just be creating in that way, slowing down and 10 by 8 and shooting in that way. A huge respect to him for that i'm far too bouncing around i get called is it zebedee or by a friend <laughs> i can't sit still yeah uh, i'd love to get ben on my podcast actually and, and have a chat and and just i know we're probably been getting god it's getting on for two hours here grant but i'd love for you to come on and me reverse this and have a chat yeah absolutely, absolutely more than and happy to to return we'll the phone we'll get the day right as well <laughs> that's right <laughs> the date and time right it has been wonderful talking to you. We, we should probably finish up, but who do you think should be on the podcast? Who, who else do I need oh. to talk to? Oh, gosh. Yeah, wow. I know it's putting you on the spot. 
Ah, there's there's so many people though who uh, uh, the are great photographers and don't really. Simon Booth's a good chap. Okay, he's, yep. He's just up the road from me, uh, Charlie Ware. Fabulous photographer, very meticulous, um, beautiful woodland photography, great compositional skills, and yeah, he's got a great chin. Sure, he won't mind me saying that. He's got, <laughs> yeah, he's got a cracking chin. And uh, who else let me think? There's a couple of people I want to get on as well. Kieran Beard is going on the photo art next week. He's a straight okay, photographer. Yep. He's fabulous. I'd love to get him on as well, but he's going on the photo walk. So I'll leave him a bit. So I, I, like, I like thinking our, our community, I think I won't jump on Grant's guests though, but I will hear someone and think, like I've just mentioned, I had thought about Ben Horn. Yeah. But, and, and then you got him on and I was like, ah, oh, you bastard. <laughs> I was going to ask him, but it takes me so long to pluck up courage sometimes to ask him because, they are quite special individuals, aren't yeah, they? You know? yeah. I've started to get over that. And it's yeah. you, you you ask, and if they say yes, it's great. If they say no, I asked Nigel Dancel, yeah. uh, Danson, sorry, uh, uh, a few months ago, and he said, oh, I'm just up to my eyeballs. I can't do yeah. it right now, maybe later. And I just yeah. haven't got back to him just yet. But, you know, at some point I'll ask him again. And that's yeah, fine. Okay. And yeah. the ones that just don't reply is just like me, they they either didn't see the message or they're not interested. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't worry too much about. No words and graces. I'm dealing, yeah, yeah. dealing with rejection very well now. <laughs> yeah. It'll be forever known as Dancel now for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, All right, I got my last question, and if you've listened to the podcast, you know what's coming. Uh, do you like pineapple on pizza? I laugh my head off at this because I can't stand pineapple on pizza. <laughs> and I thought, he's going to ask me that. When you said then you know what this question is, no, I don't like pineapple on pizza. It's not, there's no place for pineapple on bloody pizza. <laughs> As I keep saying, I'm in neutral. I, if it's there, I won't take it off, but I won't order yeah. it. <laughs> Oh, that's controversial, leaving it on. Oh, I know. But the I, thing I is, think... if, you, if you leave it on, it leaves that little yellow square where it once was, and it's still there, that taste. You know, and you think, oh, I'll take it off, and it, oh, no. It's It'll taste so, it. so It's got to be tin pineapple, though, because it's it's in the juice. Otherwise, if you just put fresh pineapple on, it's just not quite the same. <laughs> you can keep your pineapple, Grant. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. It's been really wonderful talking to you Marv I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope you've enjoyed being on the show where can people find your work yeah mallyphotography.co.uk and uh, that links out to everything I'm also on Linktree the address to that I don't know it's a silly one Linktree forward slash mallyphotography but I'm on Twitter Facebook I'm on Blue Sky now Vero Okay, um, I'll have to find you of, on Blue Sky. I'm on there as well. Yeah. Oh, you're on there? Oh, well, I'll have yeah. a look. I've only just joined it this week. Uh, it's, it's an interesting place. Yeah, um, it's, it, it is interesting. It's yeah. a little bit quieter than some of the others at the moment, yeah. but it's yes. growing slowly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the other one as well, the new one? I'm on that Threads. Threads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just post the same stuff across. Depends what my mood takes me, what I'm sharing. I've Make sure one thing here, one thing there. Yeah, I'm, um, I might change it up a little bit, but I usually go yeah. the same across all. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just easier. <laughs> so I say Marley, but it's spelled like the country, M-A-L-I, photography.co.uk. That's me. 
All right. Brilliant. Thanks very much, mate. No, thank you, Grant. What a privilege. Great to chat. Oh, don't you just love talking about yourself, boy? <laughs> Thanks, no. All joking aside, that was great fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.